This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Welcome back to season two of the Leading Second podcast. I'm so honored that you're here today. My name is Brandon Stewart, and it is the honor of a lifetime that my wife and I have to lead this tribe of uncommon church builders. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here today. If you're new to the podcast, I want to give a special welcome to you. We release this podcast every Thursday morning, but Leading Second has other resources for you, for your life, for your team. Um, that we'd love to have you check out. You can head to leadingsecond.com and see what Leading Second has to offer for you and your team. Um, sign our creed while you're there. We would love to know and have you part of our tribe, but also encourage anyone listening to head to the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and join our community there. We'd love to get to know you and interact with you more on a daily basis. Well, today we're continuing our four-part series of episodes on millennials in ministry. At Leading Second, we are passionate about this generation, and uh, we're not into labels. We're into leadership. And so our prayer over the course of these episodes is that we can debunk some myths about millennials in ministry and in leadership, but also identify some of the challenges that we feel like we're facing right now and and just get it right as uh, leaders who are who are quite honestly, being forced to be more and more uncommon in the leadership landscape of our world today. So I hope this series of conversations is helping you. Before we get into that today, this first segment on the podcast is always crowdsourced. And today we have a question from a listener of the Leading Second podcast we wanted to uh, give some feedback on. So let's hear uh, this question from a Leading Second leader. What's going on? My name is Chris Gwynn. I'm the campus pastor over the broadcast location in Kalispell, Montana, uh, a Fresh Life Church. And it's my great joy to get to do that. Um, and I've absolutely loved this Leading Second podcast and everything that you guys are doing. Uh, it's been such an encouragement to me and an, and an impact in my church. Um, and so thank you for everything that you do. Uh, my question for you would be, how do you practically protect yourself and how can we protect ourselves from the Absalom mentality uh, that so easily creeps into our minds and our hearts in these second chair positions. How do you how do you fight against that? Well, Chris, thanks so much for your question today. And by the way, we love uh, you and your house and all the campus pastors at Fresh Life. You all are very, very special to us uh, at Team Church. And I'm going to apologize to everyone in advance. This is going to be a long answer. So let me attempt to answer this well, but you're, you're touching on an extremely important idea, protecting ourselves against an Absalom mentality. Uh, let me first of all say this to us today. Lead seats and second chair seats are totally different. And first of all, today, it's important that we all know which one we are called to. For those of us who are called to the second chair, I think we need to... um I guess really frame a couple things in before we get into the heart of your question, Chris. And that's that, first of all, we need to remember that God will hold our pastors accountable for leading our churches. 
and he will hold us accountable for how we helped and served our pastors. I, I really believe in the light of heaven and in the light of eternity, that's what heaven and the Lord is looking for from us. So if you've been given a place of trust, if you've been entrusted with property or opportunity that isn't your own, you need to remember that this opportunity is not your own, that actually you're you know, the accountability of God on your pastor's life is to see that things move forward. But but what God is looking for out of all of us is how well we support our pastors. In other words, the, the people that you lead aren't yours. The opportunities you have aren't yours. They, they don't belong to you and they're not for your benefit. They're for the benefit of the house. They're for the benefit of the leader that you serve. So I just think it's important, first of all, that we remember who we work for and what our assignment is. Our assignment is to lift up and support pastors that we serve. The word says a couple things of Absalom that I find very interesting. The word says that Absalom stole the hearts of the people. And he did this, if you read through uh, the account on his life, uh, he did this by doing a few things. Number one, he positioned himself between people and the king. Second, he built relationship with people, but it was done separately from the king, not on behalf of the king. Thirdly, he would hear people out in a way uh, that they didn't think they'd be heard by the king in. In, in other words, he sympathized with them and 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 heard them out and almost made them believe the king didn't want to interact with them in that way, that they were going to receive more care uh, from him than with the king. And then finally, he received their allegiance when they would bow down to him. He would receive it rather than deflecting to the king. So I guess my thought for you today is really simple when it comes to practically guarding ourselves against an Absalom mentality. Let's just do the opposite. <laughs> Let's just literally take all of that and spin it on its head. So I guess my first thought for you is this. Instead of positioning yourself between the people and your pastor, what if you would simply be there to stand in for your pastor? Meaning everything you do, every conversation you have is on behalf of your pastor. In other words, I believe your pastor wants people to love and follow you. But first, your pastors need to know why you're in that position, that you're there to do everything, not for your gain, but on behalf of your pastor. So rather than standing between the people and your pastor, what if you just simply facilitated the relationship between the people and your pastor? Secondly, I think we're called to build relationships with people, but to do it with an open hand. In other words, build relationships on behalf of your pastor that facilitate people's loyalty to the house and not toward yourself. In other words, think about this. Here's my question for you. If you left your position tomorrow, or if you were moved from your position tomorrow, would people be more loyal to you or more loyal to the house? I actually pray that if any of us were moved, if, if I was moved tomorrow, that people would be more loyal to the house I'm a part of than to me, that's when I'll know I was successful in building relationships on behalf of my pastor rather than for myself. Thirdly, I believe we need to fill in the gaps for our pastors and not point out where they are deficient. In other words, we need to hear people out. We need to 
here where they where they need care. We need to hear where they need support. But we need to ensure that they know that if Pastor were here, he would do this. If Pastor were here, she would do this. That that uh, we can care for people, but we need to fill in the gaps for our pastor and stand in for them in those moments, rather than say, you know, and pastor probably doesn't care about that. Or, you know, that, you know, that pastor wouldn't want to be bothered by that, that those would be the wrong things to say, because those create distance from, uh, the, between the people and your pastor rather than facilitate the relationship together. And then finally, I guess I would just say, receive no loyalty or allegiance to yourself, only to the house that I want people to follow you. I think it's a great thing when people trust you, admire you, look up to you, but their allegiance should always be to the house. And that's when you'll know you're successful is when you've facilitated their allegiance back to your pastor and back to the house. So long answer today to a really great question, but my prayer is that we would remember who entrusted us with the position we have and that we would do everything on behalf of our pastors. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer on the podcast, or if you have a story, your I am leading second story you'd like to share with us, I'd encourage you to contact us on leadingsecond.com or join the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and uh, contact us there. We'd love to hear your question or feature your story on an upcoming episode. Well, today, as we continue our series on millennials in ministry, I'm excited to dive into maybe one of my favorite topics right now, and that is honoring authority. Just a disclaimer, this is not a sexy, trendy conversation today. We're going to go a little old school, if that's okay with you. I just really believe right now authority issues are everywhere in our culture, and the Bible calls us to be people who submit, there's that S word, submit to authority, honor authority. It's not trendy, but it's Bible. And I also think this is a very misunderstood conversation right now, especially given a climate in our culture that is toxic toward authority or views authority as something to stand up to and overthrow. So it's going to be a good conversation today. Uh, I am so excited about the pastors I'm going to be talking with for this conversation. Uh, two leaders I, I highly respect. First of all, you're going to be hearing today from Pastor Dan Lord, who is the lead pastor along with his wife of Victory Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Dan faithfully served as a uh, number two at uh, with Pastor John Siebling in Memphis for many years as well. When I met Dan, is he uh, was actually a youth pastor and a number two leader uh, for my pastor's dad, uh, Pastor Roy Gerald in St. Louis for many years. Uh, many of you might know Dan. He's legendary as a second chair leader, but he now pastors his own church, and he has so much wisdom and weight on this topic. Can't wait for you to hear from him. Also today, I am excited and honored to be joined by Pastor Jim Kyles. Uh, he and his wife, Pastor Anchor Bend Church in Houston, Texas. They have a thriving church, a thriving leadership culture. Uh, Jim was also the executive pastor of a church in Houston for a while, as well as the director of leadership at Teen Mania Ministries. So he's got a tremendous insight, a great voice to leaders, praying this conversation uh, helps you today. So without further ado, here's Millennials in Ministry on Honoring Authority. 
Well, hey, my friends, it's uh, good to talk with you both today. Why don't you uh, say hello to everyone? Hey, everybody. Dan Lord here. Hey, guys. Jim Kyle's great to be with you guys. Hey, so uh, excited, so honored to have you both with us. I um, uh, I love you both. I admire uh, both of you, what you're building. And um, I just thank you for having a voice into leading second. Thank you for leading like you do. And um, I'm really grateful to have this conversation uh, today and um, believe this is really going to help some people. So um, I guess here we go. You are both lead pastors today, but you weren't always lead pastors. So maybe just take a second and kind of orient, I guess, our audience listening today. What were your days in the second chair like uh, when you found yourself in that seat? Yeah, well, they were fun days. They were easier days than what I'm in right now. Uh, I I was just uh, saying now as a senior leader, people look at you a lot more. And I heard Tommy Tenney's dad say one time that the higher up the ladder you go, the clearer your your rear end looks to everybody. <laughs> right, so, right. Uh, you know, I thought there was pressure before, but uh, they were great days. I learned so much. I was able to feel like I was able to contribute in two great churches, and I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the days. Uh, you know, never knew if I would be a lead pastor or not, and so that that's just happened for, for my life. So that's recent for me. That's great. Yeah, for me, you know, it's it's very interesting. Uh, I've I've had two opportunities to lead from the second chair to second position, and so when I look at those days, I would say those were really foundational days. I think there was always a gift in me. There was always this potential that I knew God placed inside of me. But in those days of leading from the second chair, really, what God was doing was He was building the character that I needed. That That's was so good. When I got to where God's got me now, um, and so I, like Dan, I mean, they they were hard days. You know, you'd love to say they were all great, and there are a lot of great memories. Um, but the the hard days are what really formed and fashioned me. And it wasn't even just the hard days, because I think everybody goes through hard days. For me, it was the response to those hard days. That's right. I think there's a fork in the road when you have them and you can either respond the right way or the wrong way. And when we respond in the right way, it really forms and solidifies that character that God's trying to work out inside of us. You know, you, you've all heard the saying, God cares more about your character than your comfort. Yeah, um, totally. Truth, he cares more about us. And so uh, he knows that if, if we were to get what we wanted right now, we, we wouldn't be able to keep it. And so uh, they were great days, and I cherish them with all my heart and really believe they, they helped to set us up for where we are today. So, Well, this is a conversation, uh, a part of a series that we're doing on millennials in ministry. And uh, I want to talk about this for just a second with you both, this generation that we have called uh, millennials. Of course, millennials are as old as, I guess, 37, 38 yeah. years old wow. now. So we're not just talking about 22-year-old college kids. You know, right. we're, we're talking about every young adult and young family and young leader in the life of our churches. So I guess let me ask you this. What about this generation of millennials excites you the most as you see them moving into places of leadership? I would say the uh, level of enthusiasm for God's house and the passion that I see for in, in this in this group of millennials to really build God's house and go to extremes, you know, back in my day, church 
you just welcome people at the front door and we've got millennials that are willing to go outside in a parking lot and hold a sign with a hundred degree temperatures. And, you know, I mean, they're just excited about it. I think the enthusiasm for God's house is higher than it's ever been. So what I would say. Yeah. I think the thing that I echo that, I think they're, they're willing to give it all away. It's not about the money. It's about yes. the, the cause. Um, and, and then I, I think the thing that I've really loved about the millennials, I know they get a lot of flack. I love the fact that they focus so much on relationships. It's almost like yes. yeah, true. they saw how the previous generation got it wrong. And though they may have climbed the ladder to the top, they climbed alone. And so they just said, look, I'm not going to climb alone. I'm going to, you know, when I get to the top, I want to have friends if I even get to the top. Because the truth is that's not what they're shooting for. They're, they're shooting for a life of significance. They're shooting for, like, I want to make a difference. Like, I'm living for something greater. And I think, man, if we can tap into that as the body of Christ, yes. uh, that's the secret weapon to really depopulate hell and populate heaven. Yeah, yeah that's well said. And um, as we've said before in this series— um, I, I am not about the negative labels that this generation has received. I, I, I don't believe we are dealing with millennial issues like entitlement or laziness or whatever words we've slapped on a generation. I don't believe those are millennial issues. I believe they're human issues and yeah. they're just presenting themselves in a different way for a generation that has grown up with the internet in their pocket. So yeah. it, it looks different, but it's, it's really the same stuff. So, so we are for young leaders and empowering young leaders uh, here at Leading Second. Having said that, let me ask you this question now. What dangers do you see for this generation as they move into leadership? I guess I'll go first again, Jim. (laughs) 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 Okay. I would say that the dangers in this generation I would see is not being careful in how they're building their life, especially when we're talking about people that strive for ministry uh, and they don't maybe as often realize the importance of small moments in their it's life so and well how said. it makes a big impact yes. on leaders who who are senior level executive type leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, just missing those moments, like, you know, Paul said, be careful how you build, you know, because one day we're going to find out whether you use gold or silver or straw and your work will be shown for what it is. And I, I, I've just, I was so glad that when I was young, someone told me, Dan, you're building the house you're going to live in one day. Yeah. So good. And even though we're building someone else's house, if we'll build it, like we're building our own to really build it, like they're going to get the keys to it one day because they are. Yeah. So good. And uh, I hope everyone listening heard that thought. You're building the house you're going to live in someday. We, we live in a generation where we see everyone's success. And I think we lie to ourselves to think that it was instant, you know, because it, right. they, they posted it instantly. But an instant post took years to build. Moment and by moment. That's right. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Well, for our conversation today, we want to talk about what I think is my favorite subject right now, which is honoring authority. And the S word, here we go, submission to authority. Um, Our culture right now is having a very loud conversation about this. Right. And um, I'm going to say at the beginning here, this is not a political conversation. This is not about who's in the White House. This is not about um, 
church leaders we've seen get it right or get it wrong. This is not about um, the environment you may have grown up in. We were going to talk Bible here for a couple minutes, but but our conversation is having a very loud conversation about it. I believe that with the subject of authority, our culture is is having this conversation in a very toxic way. I think if we're not careful, wow. we're, we're opening ourselves up to allow some very non-biblical thoughts in having to do with honor and submission to authority. I guess my first question is, do you agree with that? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this conversation our culture's having right now on authority and how we relate to authority? Well, I agree with your perspective, Brandon. You know, I think we've got to be careful not to swing the pendulum to the full opposite extreme. Uh, you know, we heard the old saying growing up, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yep. You know, there are a few things we need to adjust, but we still have to embrace the concept of submission and honor. It's a biblical concept. And the truth is we will never live blessed lives until we learn how to submit to the, the authorities that God has placed in our life. Um, and so there's that principle that God says, when you're in alignment, I'll bless you. He's the yes. God of alignment. And so I think we've got to acknowledge where the previous generations have messed up and there has been, and, and I'm not going to say Everyone was abused, but there was widespread abuse with the spiritual authority and thus said the Lord and submit to me because, but we also have to just, so we recognize and we empathize, but we still have to make sure that we're going down the right track. We can't follow the path of the world. We got to say, God, we're going to stay in your alignment of what your word says. And I think when we teach them that in that way, I really feel like, and I'm sure you guys can chime in on this, that, that many of them are responding well to that, um, that they say, oh, I get it. And, the, and the, it's not that they're not teachable. Uh, I think some people just haven't heard the, the healthy biblical model uh, or seen it modeled. Yes. And I think when we do that, I think it allows them to to walk in the blessings and the favor of God. Well, you know what, Jim? I feel like when we stepped out to do Leading Second, what I guess what I was feeling in my heart was there was this silent community out there that wanted to get it right, but was being drowned out by the other voices. Wow. I think think there's leaders in all of our churches uh, that that truly want to get this right. And and you know what? I'm going to give a little bit of credit here. Don't take this too far, anybody. I'm going to give a little bit of credit here. Because we live in a day of high polarization in politics. We live in a day where sadly, tragically, I mean, I can just think the last couple months that some some high profile pastors that have, you know, come into difficult seasons. And right. and and of course, you mentioned we've seen authority misuse. I'm going to give a, a little bit of credit. This conversation is coming from somewhere. That it, this 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 conversation is coming because we we just see all levers of power right now being tested and questioned in our culture. Even think of the Me Too movement. I mean, you you go down the list, and right. th- this conversation is happening. However, none of the imperfections we see negate the power of the Word of God, and right. and, and, and negate the promises of the Word of God for those of us that that do want to live in alignment. With our path, with our pastors, with our leaders, I guess. Let me say this, and I'll ask a question here. Um, I feel like one thing that happens is we see, we see the mistakes of leaders, and so then because our leaders are imperfect, we write off our responsibility right. to still be submitted to them. You know, man, well they're imperfect, so I can't possibly, 
you know, almost mm-hmm. like we're doing something wrong by submitting to an imperfect leader. Um, talk to me for a second. Why is that thinking dangerous? Well, God uses humans, and if anybody's going to ever follow us, we're imperfect. <laughs> so we've got to sow where we want to go. Right. You know, if I, if I want to be the leader of the pack someday, and I want people to follow me, I've got to be, you know, once again, they're looking at the back of me. They're not looking at the best of me. Wow. And so I think, you know, it was said in marriage counseling, when I was in marriage counseling, that we should, an older couple told us, they said, squint at each other. And you, you look real good if you'll just squint when you get older. Mm. And I think we're looking with our eyes maybe too wide open and we're looking for the wrong instead of looking for the good. And we're looking for the cracks on the old building instead of taking a, a 30 foot walk back and, and look from a distance instead of right up close to it. If we'll take a further, you know, a little walk away, then we're not so up close on the cracks because we've all got them. That's so good. You know, it's interesting when when that thought comes across, what I have found is a lot of times that thought is brought about because we're unfulfilled or unhappy with where we're at. And so we easily embrace that as an excuse. And so when I can find the imperfection in someone else, I can excuse uh, myself from being committed to what God wants. Wow, that's so good, Jim. I can look at them and see the flaw. And so we've got to be careful because the enemy is the father of lies and he wants us to excuse ourselves out of the commitment that God placed us in. God didn't place there because that person was perfect. God placed us there because he wants to work inside of us. And those imperfections, you know, we, we look at them and say, well, I can't believe it. But what God's doing is allowing that to be a reflection on our life. That what am I having to address in my life that causes me to be so bothered by that imperfection? Why am I judging and not giving grace? Yep. And so God's like, I need you to stay there because we're filling our hearts with the grace of God, the love of God. And the only way to do it is in a hard place when you maybe are following someone that you see all the flaws. Yep. And so we can allow it to be an excuse. And, and that's what I think has happened is it excuses my lack of commitment when I can point the finger at someone else and not myself. And it sounds so good, you know, on the surface of, well, we're holding those in power accountable. And, right. and I, I mean, I will agree. Accountability is needed in every level of, of leadership. Of course, it's, it's just a statement that's been taken too far and yes. uses an excuse rather than properly. Well, even Brennan, even in the biblical context, sons were not called to judge fathers, right? So you got to be you got to be real careful because yep. God put you in the place that you're at to expose a father. God put you there to protect and to cover. Fathers are exposed by father. Like like if God's going to expose good. someone, He's not going to use a son or a daughter. So what my concern is with generations coming up is that they feel this wow. like right and authority to expose. Yes, but really we should be doing the opposite. We should be covering. And saying, God, I'm covering this man. You you called me here to be an armor bearer. You called me here to cover. And I'm going to pray for him and I'm going to love him. And if they get exposed, it should break our heart. It should be God does it another way, but you're not there to expose them. You're there to love them, embrace them, serve them, and then let God work on the inside yeah, of us. Absolutely. You need to look no farther than Noah. You know, Noah, yeah, Noah was drunk in a tent one day. And the bottom line is Noah shouldn't have been drunk. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't right of Noah to be drunk, but you just look at the two sons, 
You look at what they did. One exposed him, one didn't. And you look at who God blesses. And I think that tells us all we need to know about what you just said. So good, Jim, you know, fathers and sons. And Dan, I'd like to go to you for a minute. Um, I, I really admire how you've walked through a recent season in your life. You, and just in the last few months, you have taken your own church and huge congratulations on that, by the way. Um, Thanks. Thank you. And you're in St. Louis now. You're back where you were for many years. Um, and, and just in the last few weeks, few months, you know, you, you were installed as the pastor there. And yet that was in your heart for a while before it happened. And, but, but you didn't have the green light always from the leaders in your life that needed to sign off. Can you, can you talk to us just about your wrestle in that season of having something in your heart, but not having the green light from a leader? Yes. I think it's, it's one of the, it's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to you know, do in terms of, you know, obedience and being submitted, you know, you mentioned the S word, but then there's also <laughs> the O word, which yeah. is obey, you know, from wow. Hebrews 13, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. So, you know, that word obeyed, it's like with our children, it's never that they have to agree. I don't care if they agree or not. I'm dad. And you're going to do what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> so those are both kind of seasons like that for me, where the submission, became about obedience and, and doing it with joy, which was the hardest part, I think, for me, is the attitude of it. Uh, many times we're standing up on the, you know, or, or rather we're sitting down, you know, on the outside, but we're standing up on the inside. And, and for wow. me, it was that way. Pastor Gerald blessed us to do one thing and then changed his mind. And man, my heart had already gone to planting a church in St. Louis, and he asked me not to do it. And here I am 14 years later, God's brought us back to the city that we love, that where I was born, where I was raised, trained in ministry. And so had I not found, you know, through submission to the cross, ultimately, (laughs) is how, because I trusted God's sovereignty, I had to become obedient. And I, I just encourage young leaders today maybe struggling with becoming obedient. And that was it for me. It took me a little bit of time, especially big tests. It's it's. It takes some time to wrestle through that. And, and I eventually became obedient with a good attitude, but it's not easy. And, and Jesus became obedient to the cross, the Bible says. And I love that word because it's a process word. Right. You know, it might take you a little time, but get to the right answer to say, yes, I will do what you're asking me to do. And, and, and then you can have the joy then, and then you'll be able to endure it. Like Jesus endured the cross. I feel like when... We're in seasons like what you've been talking about today. I feel like the biggest question that we come up against, we may not even realize it, but the biggest question we come up against is this question, do I trust God? In other words, when when my leader's asking me to do something I don't understand or my leader's imperfect and I still submit or whatever the situation is, the real question you're wrestling with is, do I trust God right now? Which means... (laughs) which means we have to have a promise from God's word to stand on. I, I thought I would share this with everybody today. Probably one of my life verses is 1 Samuel 26, 24, which is David's response to when he could have taken Saul's life, but he didn't. And, mm. and, and he could have ended the madness. This was Old Testament. This was, if someone's thrown a spear at you, you throw it back to them in the Old Testament. This wasn't turn the other cheek. <laughs> this was this was you take somebody out, and yet David was a picture of Christ and a forerunner of Christ, and he set something new 
by way of sparing the life of the leader who is trying to take his life. And he says this in verse 24. He says, as surely as I have valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. And I have prayed that over my life so many times when I've honored my pastor and I didn't understand. I have silently in my car on the way home said, God, as surely as I've honored my pastor today, you honor me and and keep me from all trouble. And I, I guess I just, I found a promise from the word to stand on that helped me trust God, even when I didn't see eye to eye with my leader. Have either of you had a similar thought or verse or anchor thought out of the word that you just have run to, I guess, in those moments? Yeah, I've got, you know, for me, I think it's interesting. I feel like the Lord puts me on assignments. And so I, I think and this is one of the things that I try to teach some of the young people that I mentor, what God wants us to focus on is the next, not the the, the future vision of what it's going to be one day. So what's the next? So I think at a young age, I always just learn to ask God, God, what's my next thing? Like, what, what do you want me to do? And then when you hear from the Lord, and if you're married, you and your spouse, you pray on it. Maybe you go start a church or you're, you're, you're a part of a church staff or a ministry, whatever the assignment is, you've got an agreement like, God, this is what you called us to. Then what we've got to do is we've got to stay focused on that assignment and not allow ourselves to get distracted. And when I've got the assignment, I always quoted this scripture, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. So, so God, what my assignment is, especially as a second chair, God, you call me to be the director of leadership at Team Mania. God, you call me to be the that's executive right. director at Triumph Church. This is my assignment. That's my whatever. You said that I was to do it with all of my heart. And when I do it, I'm not doing it for Pastor Randy. I'm not doing it for Ron. I'm not doing it for whoever is over me in my life. I'm doing it for you. And that's then... Right. Look at look what Luke 16, 12 says. It says, and if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's, uh, another's, what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That's right. And so I would focus on those two scriptures. Like, God, I'm doing everything with the whatever. It's for you, not for people. And God, if I'm not faithful with someone else's, you'll never give me that vision that's in my heart. And those two, those were almost like the left and the right that kept me down the road and out of the guardrails of what I was walking through. Man, a lot of wisdom there. That question about, do you have something you hold on to? I used to pray prayers like, God, you wrote on a wall with your finger <laughs> in a king's, you know, <laughs> dining room. Can't you write on my pastor's wall right now? If, if this is really your will, like, God, you know, you did earthquakes and you, you know, you just, you broke the walls down for, for Paul and Silas shake my pastor's house if this is it. And guess what? Nothing happened. Oh man. <laughs> and so you, you do come back to trusting in the sovereignty of God. And that's really what guarded me. And I think another verse and just a big thought from second Timothy, where Paul says that you need to endure hardship with us, like a good soldier, mm -hmm. just taking on that soldier mentality that, man, I got to hang in here. Yep. And if I hang in here, and I don't get distracted with civilian affairs, I think is kind of the word it used. Yes. Yeah, I don't get I don't let stuff that maybe bothers 
regular people. I don't want to be a regular person. I want to be a leader. I want to be a soldier that I can endure it. Then there's a blessing. You know, if we endure, we get to sit down at the right hand. If we endure, there's a blessing. So I just say, man, if you're, if you're struggling with that, just throw it back at God, God, get me out of here. You open the door. Cause then when he does, you're like, this is definitely God. I didn't do this. He did it. (laughs) I I think that has got to be the greatest moment of ministry is when God orchestrates something in such a way where you would know it could only have been him. I I, I think I I can think back to maybe just a couple moments in my own life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know that that happens all the time, but you end up, you end up with something where it happens and you go, only God could have done that. But here's the, not the problem, but the problem is, is to have those moments, you got to do things God's way. Right. And, and, um, that's a problem when we want to do things our way and when our natural <laughs> instincts are going against God's instincts. So I, again, we're at our question. Do I trust God? Do, well, do, I think do I, a beautiful picture of that is Joseph, you know, he was head over Potiphar's house and you know, the story, then he's lied on by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison. And then in prison, he's faithful with that, which is another's. And uh, he tells the, uh, you know, the dreams and interprets the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. They come to pass and he's thinking, this is my meal ticket to get out. Well, two years later is how long it takes for Pharaoh to have a dream. And then the, 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 the cupbearer says, look, there was a man that interpreted my dream. Now, here's, here's what's interesting about that. And this is what I tell the young people that I mentor. There's never a path from the prison to the palace. And so the challenge with people today, I think, is they're trying to mark a path to the palace of the vision that God's placed in their heart. And God says, no, 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 baby, prison to the palace never has a path. It'll never make sense. It's never going to be a natural thing or else you've done that because God does it in a way that only he gets the glory. And that's the beauty of the tenacity of the, Hey, I am a soldier. I am, I'm not moving. And it doesn't matter what opportunities, what Ishmael's come my way. I'm staying focused because when God does it, he gets the glory. When God does it, it's an amazing thing that only he could have done. And so, you know, there's never that path that you think there would be to get to the destiny God's placed in your heart. You know, Jim, you just referenced, um, the, the leaders that you mentor, I just have to say, and I'll honor you publicly here. I was able to be with your leadership night that you do um, a few months ago. And I just loved it. What you have built something so special into the life of your church, you know, just a few years in, um, uh, we sat down in a couple of environments that night, but the one that stands out to me was you asked us to sit with a group of leaders. It was around kind of a boardroom table sort of a thing. And they sat wow. down and just asked Lindsay and I questions and I sat down and told them, I don't, I don't get up until you're done. And, yeah. um, I have rarely been in an environment of young leaders that was so hungry, that was wow. so prepared and so honoring. You've just built something so special. You you all actually have been, been with us right from the beginning of leading second too. You've served some of our small events that we, you know, got la- used to launch and all that. And I just appreciate y'all so much. Um, how have you built such an honoring culture into your leaders? So, I mean, talk from a lead pastor perspective now for a second. How, how did you build that? Well, first, thanks for your kind words. I, uh, man, I really appreciate that. It's, it's interesting. You know, I, I would say a, a couple of things. Number one is it's intentional. Uh, environments are created. Culture is created by intentionality. Uh, the second thing is 
just begin to take steps. Um, sometimes you get overwhelmed with, I need to build a culture of honor when first what we've got to do is just build, take a step of honor. Um, and I think for me, part of what built that, and it was very interesting, the group you're talking about is we, we call it the fellowship. Um, and I take 12 young adults, um, they're 18 to 25 and I spend nine months with them. And I just, this is not a small group in my church. I, I do other small groups. This is just Hey, I'm going to pour my life in you. We're going to do some trips. I'm going to get you around great leaders, let you be exposed uh, to, to great people. And, and these are mostly people that have a mark for ministry. Um, and so what was interesting, I started it in the first year of our church. I've been mentored by some great people. Um, if I said their names, you would know them and just had the privilege of being mentored in such a way that it radically changed my life. And wow. it would just be these short periods of intense mentorship. And so I just said, man, I'm going to get these young people. Well, we launched the church and God blessed it. It was awesome right off the bat. I couldn't get seven young adults that wanted to spend an hour and a half with me every other week. If, if, I, mean, if I had to kick and brought their like mentor. What are you talking yeah, about? What, like, what is that? And so, but I, I, I practically begged them. And the first year it was just like, like, just come on, we're going to read some books. We're going to do it. And then what happened was, and it wasn't even a formal, like I've got a whole map or roadmap. It's like, Hey, I just, let me pour my life into you. But really that concept is so foreign. They didn't even understand it at first, but then after the second year and you graduate them and you're, you're now producing young men and women that are more focused and more refined. They, 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 they seem like they're a little bit of a step so above good. others. It builds that culture. But I have to be honest, I've had people ask me, and it was just simply saying, hey, I want seven, 10, 12 people. Can you just come spend time with me? Let me, yep. let me pull my life into you. Yep. And then in situations, you're teaching them. Look, like when Brandon comes, this is how you have to, like we ask good questions. Good leaders ask great questions. You know, you're attentive. And so in every environment you're coaching and, and, uh, but now five years into it, it's produced a culture yes. that is, you know, systemic. It's like, man, it is reproducing after itself. But it was just one decision, one moment. And I've got to tell you, at first, it wasn't sexy. It was really hard. It was a little awkward. And and now <laughs> it's really special and sweet. And I think people tend to quit in that awkwardness instead of saying, no, I'm going to make this the priority of my life. And when you yeah. make a resolve or a decision and you commit to it, it's not about if it'll work. It's how do I make it work? Yeah. Wow. Very, very well said. A lot of wisdom there. And I hope any lead pastors listening would um, would hear a lot from that. Hey, I love you both. I respect you at the highest level. Not not easy to pick people to interview on honoring authority, I have to say. And yet you both have so much moral authority in this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Absolutely. If you were to say the final question, if you were to say one thing to a young leader listening right now, who's just that they're, they're in they're in the murky middle right now. They're serving a leader. They don't, they either are bumping their, bumping their head against a the leader. They don't understand what their leader's asking them to do. They're just in that situation. I guess last question here, what would you say right now to the spirit and the heart of that leader that's listening today? I would encourage them to try to be submitted in love and get back to love. If they're struggling, just try to remember how much they love them how much that leader has meant to them, how much they have done for them and, and to focus on the love in the relationship. You know, if, if we can get back to love, you know, it's like in, in marriage counseling, a husband and wife are kind of going at each other. 
I heard it said one time, just ask them to hold hands. And man, if they hold hands, they're like, oh man, you don't feel like holding hands. And so I'd say, love, just try to do something to serve them and see if something doesn't change. You know, instead of trying to argue or try to change their position, just see about loving them and stay submitted in love and see if it doesn't work out. So good. So good. Yeah, I think if I if I were to have someone right now and I'm looking at them eyeball to eyeball, I would say embrace the pain. Um, yeah. I think it's a concept that we have lost in our generations coming up. Um, you know, as Dan said, you know, they're in counseling for their marriage. I'm in counseling, been in counseling. I think everybody needs a good therapist. Me too. Uh, because I want to be a healthy leader because healthy leaders produce other healthy leaders. And I was told this last year something by a guy that was spending time and counseling me. And he said, Jim, you've got to learn to embrace your pain. See, a lot of people stuff their pain. They ignore their pain. That's right. They brush aside their pain. But very few people embrace it. And so when we're struggling with a leader, I think the question we've got to ask is, God, why am I struggling so much with this decision? Why am I struggling so much with this situation, whatever it is? Because typically... There is something God is working on the inside of us. It's like this example. You you can have a pack of cigarettes sitting on a coffee table and one person who has just quit smoking, uh, his response to that pack internally is totally different than a non-smoker. A non-smoker, look at it, it doesn't bother him. But the other person could be fiending. And it's not the cigarette that is causing that. The pack is, it's it's what's happening on the inside. It's the from that person. It's the filters of their heart. And that's the same thing. You can have one person in a situation in leadership that is really bothering them. Another person, same situation, it doesn't bother them. What it's bothering is that pain point that they have experienced in their life from the past. So maybe they were hurt by a leader in the past. Maybe they were rejected. Maybe they were overlooked. And so when we begin to embrace the pain, it causes us to say, okay, God, you're really working on me. It really has nothing to do with the leader because this is what I've learned. If you run away from that leader, God will raise up another leader, different ministry, different name, different organization, same situation. Why? Because he is stuck on having you get healing from the pain that's in your heart so that you can go to the place that he's called you to go to in your ministry and in your life. And so I would just say embrace that and say, God, I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to stay committed because you are the one that I trust. Well, we love you both so much. A lot of wisdom today and we'll land the plane there, but thanks so much. And we're um, just praying that you and your churches just continue to move into all that God has for you. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Can I say one thing to those that are listening? You know, Brandon would never brag on himself, but... You know, as he said, from day one, we have been a part of the leading second ministry that you have launched. And I just want to give an affirmation. You know, Brandon, you have spoken into our church. You've spoken into our leaders. Uh, When you launched the ministry, we immediately signed up our our leaders. And I've got to tell you, some of the greatest fruit uh, from our leaders' lives have come from the mentorship that you provide. And so if you're listening on the podcast and you are wondering Hey, is this legit? Is this really something that I can get involved with? I want to affirm that it is. And if you have that question, it's probably God stirring your heart. And so I would encourage you to go to their website, get involved. You guys are expanding some of the coaching. And uh, I know we're even, we've got our leaders signed up and it's because we believe in it. We believe in you. 
And uh, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. You're providing a service to the body of Christ that has been needed. And uh, I know that God's going to bless this. And so thank you, Brandon. Thank you for your sacrifice and your vision and all that you've done. We love you. And I know Dan echoes the same thing. And we're behind you. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Incredible. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being our friends and thanks for cheering us on. It means the world. And it it really is an honor to, to get to do what we get to do. So love you both. All right. God bless. If this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. Click the subscribe button, leave us a rating, leave us a comment and share the podcast with someone in your world or your team. Go through it with your team. We send show notes out every single week. We would love to get those to you to help you um, praying that this um, this just helps add a layer into your life and into your leadership and that of your team. Also, uh, I want to remind you, Team Church Conference is coming up this August. Leading Second is a part of the Team Church Tribe. And if you've never been, uh, I'd encourage you at the highest level to plan on joining us August 5th through the 7th in Tacoma, Washington uh, for Team Church Conference 2019. We will be exploring the DNA of great teams. Uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick and the entire Elevation team are our guests this year, as well as our own uh, contributors. We're also joined by Pastor Darius Daniels, uh, and it's just going to be a tremendous event. Leading second, we'll have a session uh, at the event as well. Uh, head to teamchurchconference.com. Get yourself registered. Get your team there. It won't be the same without you. Well, leading second, we love you. So thankful that we get to do this. Uh, thanks for jumping on board and supporting us and running alongside us as we're charting the course on a new ministry here called Leading Second. It's been an honor and I just pray this is adding something into your life and into your leadership. So until next time, Leading Second, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second forum on Facebook.